We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, RotoViz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to RotoViz.com. Click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly down. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Once again joined by Sean Siegel, one of the co-owners at Rotoviz. Sean, we uh, had a fun show earlier this week and we had Denny Carter on, lots of good stuff to talk about. But this is the bonus show, the extra show that we're putting in uh, this week and it's going to be good. We're going to recap a little bit again of... uh, the draft that you've done with the Triflex Leagues with Blair, and uh, Blair has out new wrong read referencing quite a bit of the information in that and uh, the wrong read number 71, so we'll be talking a little bit about that. We're talking about some recent best ball drafts that I've done and uh, some interesting player comparisons maybe that are involved in that, and then we'll also be answering a couple of listener questions to wrap things up, so should be should be a fun show, Sean. It should. Anytime that we have these drafts, we can debate players, we can have uh, the listeners give us feedback. Tell us where we went wrong, who we should have drafted for our own teams. Uh, if you have some strong opinions on that, make sure you hit up column and let him know what we should have done differently. We'll have some of those responses on the show in the future. But yeah, we're going to jump in here with the Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty League. We've talked about this for a couple of weeks. We want to fill you in on how this finished up. We're also going to do a fun feature next week looking at one of the other teams, I've made some, one of the fun things about doing these leagues where you don't necessarily know the people coming in is that you make some new friendships and build some new relationships. And I've had some great discussions with other managers in this draft. And and one of them has asked me to sort of go through and critique his draft on the show, uh, looking at, you know, what he did right, what he did wrong. Obviously anything we talk about, anytime we talk about that kind of dynamic we're looking at it from the perspective of what i would have done differently what i think that might work better not that 
you know, I have all the answers by any stretch because one of the things that we definitely see in these drafts is that the other owners bring uh, information and insights to the table that you don't necessarily have. And so it's, it's one of the great things about, again, going out and playing some different people maybe besides uh, the people that you know and are drafting against from your college league or your work league, that type of thing. But we'll be doing that on a future show. Today, we're going to kind of give you the final results of our draft, talk a little bit about uh, what Blair has to say about it. Blair, my co-owner in this, obviously the writer of The Wrong Read, which uh, me as a biased source, I would say is the best fantasy uh, article series on the internet. But so, Colm, we're looking at this here. We ended up with 25 picks in the 20 rounds. We know that eventually we're going to have to cut down five players if we can't trade a few of them. Give me your thoughts here on who you think we're going to end up cutting. You don't necessarily know who we took with our last couple of picks or how we might move out of some of these guys. But to give the listeners a sense, you can only draft three QBs in the startup. You can then go about trying to acquire more of them as you go along. Those quarterbacks for us were Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, Mac Jones. We wanted to have youth with two of those guys. And then Derek Carr, I talk about him a lot on the show. Not going to be a league winner for you, but he could be the key guy to make sure that you don't have a league loser or have to pivot to a non-QB in that slot. So we like those players. Carr still has a decent little window still to play unless something unfortunate uh, happens to him. But I think that that Raiders offense is going to take the next step. As a Chiefs fan, not necessarily rooting for that as a Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes fan, kind of hoping that all of these uh, AFC West teams get their act together so we can have more shootouts, right? If the Raiders can't score, the Broncos can't score, then it's not as fun. Of course, what we saw last year is that Derek Carr was okay against everybody else, but he was like the best player in the NFL against the Chiefs. So maybe he just needs more games against the Chiefs. At the running back position, And this is the thing I think is maybe the most interesting and my favorite part of this particular draft is that without using early expensive picks, we were able to get some running backs to be foundation pieces for this team who can both help us win now. I think that they're going to score enough points in 2021 to help our team, but I also think that their values are going to increase. Now, is there a chance that they're the next carry on Johnson or the next uh, Rojo or the next uh, Sony Michelle? There obviously always is, but even at the beginning of year two, you have enough hope still kind of embedded in those guys. You think of someone like a Clyde Edwards-Alaire who really had about as bad a season as he could possibly have, and we're talking about him as being a very intriguing third-round pick in redraft leagues. That gives you a sense of how even the worst rookie performers really have a lot of value going into year two. You can kind of get out of some of those guys at that point. So our guys, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, so the three rookies, and then we have Zach Moss, which we're actually hoping that instead of uh, CEH, that Moss is the guy who takes that second year step. And then a couple of sort of late round dart throws or maybe receding back handcuffs in Tarek Cohen and then Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon really a pretty deep long shot, but the Chiefs don't have anything at the running back position to necessarily block him. If he can finally get over his injuries, be a little bit fresher, uh, maybe be a little better fit for this Chiefs offense than he was for the 49ers last year. The big position then is wide receiver. We have 13 of these guys, I think, going into the year. We're going to have to cut back on that a little bit. And it's a little bit more volume than it is high-end guys. But I think that, again, you look at the age of these players and the possibility for breakout, it's pretty exciting. So Juju Smith-Schuster, Henry Ruggs, LaVisca Chenault, Jalen Rager, 
Uh, KJ Handler, one of the guys I draft in every single league, I think he's undervalued by five, six, seven rounds. Again, with the Broncos quarterback situation, maybe that doesn't play out this year. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But I think you definitely want to get Hamler at his ADP in all of your drafts. Will Fuller, someone who has to miss the first game, but otherwise should be a good contributor this year. Tyler Boyd, probably the most undervalued player in fantasy football. Then Marquise Brown could be the bounce back guy. You know, he's cheaper than Bateman now. We love Bateman, but maybe Bateman actually unlocks Brown. Debo Samuel, the same kind of thing, a lot cheaper than Brandon Ayuk, but had a very dynamic rookie season himself. Looking for some health from him, looking for some dynamism from those young QBs, or from specifically Trey Lance. And then Darius Slayton, a little bit of a lottery pick. Devontae Smith, and then Tylen Wall. So with Devontae Smith, and if you've read Matt Spencer's article looking at his uh, very advanced wide receiver projection system, Smith right in there. He's below Jamar Chase, but he's above the rest of the guys. And if you compare Smith to most of the players from the last five to six years, Smith looks very, very, very good. And so we want to make sure we have some exposure to him. We actually got both of the Eagles, uh, young wide receivers. We know they may have some QB problems, but at the same time, that is deflating the ADPs and making it so these guys are players that we can get on some rosters. We want to take advantage of that because if for some reason Hertz does bomb this season, we can be pretty confident that Rager and Smith are going to survive to the next QB. And maybe at that point, we really see a rise there. Then I also like where we are with the tight end position. We made sure that Noah Fant, again, he comes up on almost all of the rosters, but someone we wanted to get early. He doesn't, he's not going to have the volume situation of a TJ Hawkinson, but in terms of who they are as players, very, very similar in their trajectories. And he, you can get him quite a bit uh, less expensively than Mike Kosicki, a potential take the next step breakout guy, still young, extremely athletic. You look at Pat Frermuth, someone that, again, kind of stashing on all of these teams. He may be a little bit cheaper than he would normally be because he's so completely eclipsed by Kyle Pitts. And then with our very last pick, our 25th pick, and one of the last picks in the entire draft late in round 20, we went ahead and picked Hunter Long, someone we think probably has a little bit of trade value sort of on his own he has an 18th round adp whether or not that matters that much and if it's you know actually a discount or just that you know you're going to have some guys floating around in these you know round 16 to round 20 range probably doesn't make that big of a deal but also someone there who because he's on the dolphins with kasiki gives us this tiny little bit of handcuff element where if kasiki were to go down you know sometime this summer then long probably has uh, quite a bit more value both in terms of trade value and a little bit of actual playability as a rookie there so Colin, where did we go right where did we go wrong here who would you be looking to get out of on this team yeah the first question i was going to say uh for the listeners as well when is the the cut down date so i'm that's the one thing i'm not 100 percent clear on but it, it's going to be toward the beginning of the season there we're going to get some of the summer we're going to get some of the off-season workouts before you have to make those decisions there is one free agency period right before the year starts. And so I think the cutdowns are, are fairly soon before, you know, before that free agency period occurs. Yeah, and I think that there makes the decision-making process a lot better because it will inevitably, some of these guys, unfortunately, probably get hurt in training camp. There'll be some of these guys that are doing really well, but there'll be some of these guys then that are, we're, we're not looking too hot on. We should have a good idea on Jarek McKinnon, how he's fitting into the, the Chiefs offense at that point. He's probably somebody who... 
is there, but he's also somebody who, if anything happens to the other Chiefs running backs, that he could really skyrocket, especially as a pass catcher, but lots of injury issues for him. The other ones, and look, I, I know we like Long and we like having him in there. If we had to cut today, I think he's probably somebody, and I know you like Hamler, he's probably somebody that might slide in there. there there's a, like, the one thing that you've done here, and we've hinted at it when we've been doing the series talking about these, the guys that you've got in the draft selections that you've got have all been good values. They're all players that we quite like. We're probably being a little bit biased on that. But if I had to cut down today, like it, the other player probably have to go who I still like and still think there's upside there, but he's maybe a bit blocked out with the other receivers is Darius Slitton. Um, so he's probably somebody else that I would have to, to cut out. But uh, there's six of these guys have to go. Is that right? Uh, five of them. Oh, five of them. So I think uh, get those... Uh, Get those two-for-ones done. Get those three-for-ones done if you can. Uh, and uh, try not to have to cut any. Because there's definitely good value here on the trade market as well. So uh, I'd be really pleased to be, be involved in that team. It's a really strong team. And you mentioned the quarterbacks. And I've hinted at it a few times. Daniel Jones is somebody who I'm pretty much consistently trying to pick up in, in those drafts as well. So I think he's going to be an interesting guy this year. But uh, lots of lots of good players in there, Sean. And one of the things that we can also look to do is we can trade out of some of our better players for future picks if that kind of trade materializes. We're not going to move those guys at a discount, but if someone does come in and offer us a lot for that player, you don't necessarily have to get rid of your bottom guys, which is one of the reasons why we were willing to keep taking these players. Just being able to stash them during the summer has some value to you because you don't know what's going to have. You know, Perhaps you can move some of these guys to your IR and maintain them on the roster with that the other thing that we're looking to do here is to build a team that can be absolutely dominant in the future but to have a chance to be competitive right away because it's not that much fun to sit through this sort of initial season and go you know oh and whatever or two and whatever and think okay well i'm gonna have an early pick next year at least and then you know eventually the team will be good there's a lot of sense to that a couple of teams did take that path i think that their teams which were very wide receiver heavy are going to age extremely well you know those are the teams i'm most concerned about competing with in two or three years but we're hoping that this path here allows us to compete now compete in the future and blair has a really cool article on this the wrong read number 71 make sure you go check that out on the site his headline is why trading back is a win now tactic and he goes through the numbers with you a little bit goes through the idea of you know, what you need to have on a team to win now and win in the future. Uh, just to talk for a second before we move on, as we kind of wrap up uh, at least our team, we're going to talk about some of the other teams uh, where owners have given us permission to do that uh, in the future. But the idea here is to really focus everything on trade value and player value so that you're not ever losing anything. The idea be behind our quarterback build was, okay, if we're going to trade down, we know we're not going to get the stars. We have to be okay with that. We know we're going to have some future first-round picks. We have three first-round picks in next year's draft. Ideally, we wouldn't even use those on QBs because we really like you know being able to draft the running back and wide receiver stars. But if we need to, we can. But one of the reasons for taking these particular QBs is to be in a situation where hopefully we're not going to have to consistently churn. If you're always chasing QB value in Dynasty, in Superflex Dynasty, then you can't address anything else, right? And your team gets weaker simply because you're having to put so much of your value into that position. 
Then we look at running back. We want these young guys where their trade value is going to be higher in the next season. And potentially if they break out, you know, you could have the next Alvin Kamara. You look at the overall construction and wide receiver is really where it's at, right? You want to have these young guys who have a long time period. We know that wide receivers maintain their actual performance better. They score points for longer. We know that in this particular format where it's three wide receiver and then two flexes outside of the super flex, this is a five wide receiver start format. And so that's where we want to have the bulk of the talent in our team. That young talent continues to have that trade value. As we go forward, they score a lot of points. They get more valuable. There are some contingent type of plays here with players like a Henry Ruggs. I think you could even put, obviously, a Visca Chenault in that category. We don't know for sure who he's going to be yet. The same thing with Rager, the same thing with Hamler. But if one or two of those guys pan out, then the value of trading back becomes even much more significant. And then we look at the tight end. This is super flex. You have to be dominant there. You want to have some guys who could slide into the flexes because in tight end premium, tight ends are good flex options. So you have Fant, you have Gasicki, you're stashing for Armuth. This idea of making sure we understand the value of the positions relative to each other, how the players age, where the trade value is going to be. A lot of people will ask me, well, you, at some point you have to try and compete to win. And I will always tell them that if you're focused on trade value with your team, it's almost impossible not to have a team that's so loaded in three or four years that you really don't have to worry about where the points are going to come from. The points will be there for you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. 
Hey everyone, before I just want to take a moment to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community Discord, an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all of that, we'll help get your show pushed to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you're wanting to grow hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience acceptance into the program is limited so get your application in today to apply go to bwhustle.com forward slash join check out the description box in this episode for more information but that's bwhustle.com slash join so Sean, as we move on, we're going to mention uh, quickly here through some draft selections that I made in a recent best ball uh, draft. Some interesting people in it too. Pat Thorman was involved in it. Zach Kruger, who I'm doing the best best ball podcast with, involved in it. So lots of interesting people um, and, and a pretty fun draft overall. In terms of uh, where things landed up, I had the fourth slot in this draft and um, went Travis Kelsey there. Um, probably at the peak of where people are going to take him. We will see some 101s, I'm sure, mixed in there as well, but... Um, wanted to start off with that um, you know, elite tight end build and uh, Zachary Kruger actually went with the 111 pick and he went Darren Waller, George Kittle to start so if I hadn't went with Travis Kelsey at that point he's not getting back and uh, we jumped in then to a an, nice an start if I run through some of the first picks we had Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson went a bit early at the quarterback position but got Josh Allen to mix in with Stefan Diggs then we went T Higgins Cortland Sutton and we started to, to pick up some running backs in the 7th round with Miles Gaskin who had dropped below ADP. Um, Sean, in terms of that opening start, I know there's a, a couple of things in there of, an, of interest in terms of the quarterback a little bit earlier, but uh, I was pretty pretty happy with how things rolled out there. Definitely. And this is an FFPC classic best ball league for anyone uh, trying to make sure they understand what format we're talking about here. This is one of my favorite formats. Blair and I have played a lot of these. The classic format and the FFPC uh, gives you so many different opportunities to take advantage of structural elements that people aren't paying attention to. So we talked earlier in the week about the MFL 10 of death, some of the structural things people can do there. The FFPC, I've written a bunch on this format. It's really cool to see you and Zach. Zach's doing a great job with you on the best ball show. He does a great job uh, on the site. So anybody who's not familiar with him, make sure you check out his work. Make sure you uh, listen to those best ball podcasts. I love that you get Kelsey. I love that he gets Waller and Kittle. We know that in the FFPC <laughs> with the tight end premium that getting those tight ends early, it, it's basically just night and day in terms of what the win rates are, right? You get the early tight ends, you crush, you don't get the early tight ends and you lose. And it's not that every single time that happens. I mean, someone could end up with a team that has like James Robinson and uh, Justin Jefferson, and you have all of these late round guys and you still win despite making some other mistakes, but you're putting yourself in a huge hole. And so it's cool here that not only, you know, do you get Kelsey and he gets Waller and Kittle, but you've now put the entire rest of the league in difficulty because you guys have the three main guys. We do see TJ Hawkinson even go in the second round here, uh, the 210, which uh, again, just emphasizes how desperate owners are going to be 
for those tight ends. And then the other fun thing that we see here now, FFPC a little bit more favorable for running backs than the some of the other formats. But I love what you've done here. Your first running back is around seven. Zach's first running back is in round eight. And then you guys are really hitting a lot of my favorite people. But the Diggs, Jefferson, Higgs, Sutton start there, you know, after you already have Kelsey, absolutely fantastic. You're going to be winning the race to fill the flex that we always talk about. You're going to be putting up huge numbers at the wide receiver position. He has Lamb, Cooper, Cup, which may be a little bit more controversial having both of the Cowboys guys there. But I, I really like the starts that you've had. Now, Cortland Sutton, one of our favorite guys last season, he has the injury. Walk me through that a little bit. I think he's probably the most controversial pick that you have made. Jerry Judy goes in the very next pick. Judy's someone who dropped a bunch of passes last year, was not very efficient. But when you dive into some of the peripheral numbers, go behind the scenes, even just a little bit, you find that his volume was actually pretty crazy. And so how should we be looking at this offense where – Still so many unknowns at quarterback. Maybe the known that we have is that unless they do swing a deal for Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback play is going to be terrible, right? So if you're going to have terrible quarterback play and you have Sutton, you have Judy, you have Fant, you have KJ Hamler, who I really think just, I mean, people are acting like he didn't do anything last year. I mean, he had a couple of 10 target games. He had a couple of long touchdowns. I mean, he's going to siphon off some volume and then you have someone like Tim Patrick, who it's interesting kind of if you go to the uh, question and answer sessions that some of the people writing for the team websites or writing for the local paper will have covering these teams where, you know, one of the questions that I was reading recently was, okay, well, you know, what should we expect of Hamler? He's the clear number four behind Sutton, Judy, and Tim Patrick, you know, the the response there was that no, no. I mean, he's the number three ahead of Patrick, but that just also reinforces or reminds us of the fact that Tim Patrick had a pretty good season last year. So these two guys with Sutton coming off of injury, can both of them put up big numbers or do fantasy owners? I mean, part of what we know that we should do because we can't know the future is we hedge a little bit. We take Judy or Sutton, but Colin, do you have a, a clear guy that you want here? Uh, probably a little bit of bias in this just towards Sutton who I, I really like and is coming back off that injury I think like Judy is a, a really good prospect I just think Sutton has just a little bit more that I like about him uh, in terms of what we're looking at though and I'm just going to point this out I know we've talked a few times about the Broncos and Aaron Rodgers and it's, it's hurting my heart every time we hear it but in terms of uh, when uh, we look at the quarterbacks like last year for example we had Teddy Bridgewater with the Panthers the Panthers lost their star running back for most of the season, but we still had a situation where we could play DJ Moore and we could play Robbie Anderson. I don't think it's a stretch to say that Teddy Bridgewater can do that again with the Broncos this coming season with Jerry Judy and with Cortland Sutton. And I think that, in my opinion, both of those guys are probably going to be going at a higher ADP next year than they are this year. I think that they're going under value. So if it was a case that Judy was there and Sutton had gone a little bit earlier, I probably still I probably would have taken Judy as well. So I don't have a huge gap between both of those guys, but I still think we can see production from them. I, I was interested too, similar in the round before, we had a situation where Jamar Chase went off the board and then in the next pick I had T Higgins. Um, so we had back-to-back there, and you already mentioned back-to-back basically Cowboys within four picks for Zach's picks with Lamb and Cooper. 
out of those guys, and maybe out of Jerry and Sutton as well, is is there a clear gap for you as we head into 2021? Obviously, Dynasty, we might have different values, but purely redraft or best ball purposes? There's a clear gap for me on Lamb, and I mentioned that in our NFL 10 of death discussion. I, I think that he is the next guy. I think that right now, even with what Justin Jefferson did last season, I think that the debate for number one overall at wide receiver in dynasty, which isn't exactly the question that we're looking at here, but it does give us insight into, you know, who are the stars, who are the best players, who do we expect to make the leap? Because if someone is in the conversation to be the number one wide receiver in dynasty, then, you know, you need them to take this big leap in year two. I mean, you're not saying that based on like 2022. I mean, you think it's going to happen now, right? And so it's Lamb, Jefferson, AJ Brown are really those three guys. Now, there are some other people who could come in there. You know, if you have a win now team, obviously you're looking at Tyreek Hill, something like that. You're looking at a, a Stephon Diggs. If you have some confidence in the Seahawks, then maybe you're looking at DK Metcalf, but I think it's that trio. So we're looking at at Lamb being just an unmitigated star this season. We'll see if we're right. On Higgins Chase, it that one is is so tough because you look at what's going on here, where you have Chase again. I mentioned Matt Spencer's projection model all the time, which I think is really unmatched. He has Chase as really this. Uh, legendary prospect really the best guy since amari cooper who's someone i'm saying well he's not the same level as lamb so you know you want to put that in context we mentioned chase in the work that blair has done with wide receivers overall and the work that he did with the wide receiver prospect lab making that a little bit uh even better for this season and how chase again comes out as like the best prospect you know second to amari cooper so that's kind of what we're looking at but when you mention amari cooper and jamar chase one of the things that you have to remember is that even these amazing prospects who come out and are stars like Amari Cooper was someone who was in the mix, I believe, and I may have had him overranked, but was in the mix at one point to be the number one player in all of dynasty. And yet now he's kind of that guy where, you know, where's that took him in round four. You're, you're very happy with him there, but he's not someone who feels like the, you know, league crushing kind of player for you. So, you know, you contrast that with chase and we just have to remind ourselves to keep, our expectations in check at least a little bit. I think that Chase comes in with maybe the cleanest resume that we've seen, even though, again, you, you have this almost small sample issue with him where, well, you know, how much of it was that he got to play with a Joe Burrow who does look like he's going to be an NFL star? How much of it was that he got to play off of Justin Jefferson? You know, we look so much at the fact that, okay, well, he was better than Justin Jefferson in that season they played together. And then Justin Jefferson comes out and is the best rookie that we've really seen at the wide receiver position outside of, you know, say an Odell Beckham outside of perhaps a Randy Moss, you know, if you're having to mention those guys, then that's not, you know, a negative in any way, shape or form. So Jefferson chases better, but how much of that perhaps is the fact that chase got to play off of Jefferson, you know, you got to play opposite one of the best rookie wide receivers ever when you put up these huge numbers. So I think that when we're looking, especially at 2021, I do have a slight preference for Higgins simply because I think that he's going to come out of the box with defenses having to account for Chase, defenses having to account for Tyler Boyd, and with Joe Burrow being, it sounds like, healthy. Now, I think the teams have some incentive to put out information suggesting the guy is going to be 100%, when really what they mean is that he's going to be able to play. And then at some point in the year, or maybe at some point 2022, he's back to 100% and is really the guy. But Burrow's going to be out there. And with him out there, I mean, T. Higgins has a chance to finish as the overall wide receiver one. 
So to a certain extent, I don't even think you necessarily have to make a choice between these two guys. Now, Chase probably doesn't end up as the overall wide receiver one, although Odell Beckham, you know, wide receiver one. So it's possible in round five where you are right here with a lot of other wide receivers off the board. I just, uh, you know, I don't really understand how Higgins can still be there. But, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Chase and Boyd really do take so much volume that he has a good season and yet round five is appropriate. Yeah, I, I think that just the Bengals, and I know we're pretty high on the Bengals, I think they're still being uh, overlooked a little bit. And um, maybe that ADP will start to correct itself. But I guess when the Joe Burrow hype starts to come up, uh, we're probably going to see that all all uh, kind of the tide's going to lift up all those boats as they go up in ADP. Uh, we have been talking a lot about the Triflex uh, leagues recently, the Road of His Triflex leagues on the FFPC. Uh, at underscore the game script has jumped in and he's wondering in a Triflex startup, which running back would we go with? For me here, I have a very easy pick out of these three guys, but I'm going to let Sean go first. So we have Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, or Austin Eckler. Okay, so just to give a little bit of a sense, and and in the bid, it was a little bit more wide receiver heavy, so we wouldn't necessarily expect this in all of the drafts. But a little bit surprising, almost, I think, to see Joe Mixon was the 411, Aaron Jones was the 412, and Austin Eckler was the 506, which um, in some ways seems kind of crazy. So I think looking at where they're going makes pushes me back a little bit in the direction of, you know, I, I actually like all of those guys fine at that ADP. Uh, I think that Mixon within this Bengals offense, Mixon is a guy who's constantly overvalued, right? And at the same time, we might be into a situation now where even if he's not that great, and he's not, I mean, he's he's a very competent NFL starting running back, which again, then just matters on your frame of reference. A very competent NFL starting running back is, you know, an unfathomably gifted player, but he's not a star and he shouldn't be drafted as a star. He shouldn't be looked at as a star, but within this offense now, you're suddenly looking at the difference between where he was a couple of years ago, where it almost didn't matter how good he was. The offense was going to limit him to now where it almost doesn't matter how good he is in the other direction, right? To where if he can stay healthy, he's going to put up a ton of points. Eckler, I think, you know, where he's going, a similar kind of thing where you have Justin Herbert and then Eckler is just, an Alvin Kamara light. So those would be kind of the two guys. I think Aaron Jones is the best reality running back of that group. I think with the questions about Aaron Rodgers and with the relatively decent competition that he's going to get from AJ Dillon, that he's actually the guy that I am the most concerned about. Colm, are you in the exact opposite direction there? I'm in the exact opposite direction. I think that like, obviously I hope that Aaron Rodgers stays with the Green Bay Packers, but if uh, if that doesn't happen, um, we have seen in the past how much running backs or sorry quarterbacks will rely on those short passes to tight ends to uh, to the running back, and I think that that there's where Aaron Jones fits into this offense much better than AJ Dillon. Obviously, they give him the big contract. That's obviously showing their faith in him. We're looking long term, and I think that the I think AJ Dillon's been undervalued this year, and I think that's because people overlook how much work Jamal Williams got with the Packers. But I still think that Jamal Williams got all that work last year, and Aaron Jones still had by far the best season of his career. And I know that was with Aaron Rodgers there, and if Aaron Rodgers isn't there, but I think volume wise, if Rodgers isn't there, he's still gonna still gonna get there. I think we'll see a lot more from AJ Dillon between the tackles if Rodgers isn't there. So I I would have it the opposite way. Um, out of them the two guys i would like to get is aaron jones or eckler but eckler's really starting to move up there in 
terms of uh, mileage on his body in the NFL and so so quite frankly is Mixon but I think Mixon gets there based on the offense being so good that he gets a lot of short yardage work um but uh, he's somebody who I would be bypassing quite swiftly in in those drafts but uh yeah Jones would Jones would be my pick next question up in a, it's a super flex best ball draft where Sean the good thing is here we're, like the listeners are obviously <laughs> they're, they're playing in all these leagues that we're, we're talking about whether that is pre-listening to the show or post-listening to the show uh, it's good to see these uh, kind of more niche questions coming in. Uh, Eric Yankee uh, with a question: uh, Superflex best ball. Um, sorry, the Superflex best ball roster construction explorer suggests that you want your third QB by round five, and essentially you want to draft uh, QBs in round three to five per this article. So it's one of the articles up on the website uh, in recent times. Um, what Sean then when we look at it, should we be looking specifically in Superflex? Uh, we talk a lot about best ball from your classic format and where we're taking those what's your thoughts of how to play it when we get into the super flex format well the rest of this question is kind of fun i think because it says you know other lessons granted from non super flex suggest a single elite running back in rounds one or two an elite tight end in round one or two and then this would mean no wide receivers until the sixth round you know i feel like the counselor is that really what's being recommended so this, this is an awesome question eric the way that i would look at this is is very much the way that you've Put the question together here which is that superflex is a different animal we want to make sure we understand that we also want to look at how qb draft trends are a little bit different this season uh denny one of the cool things that he talked about in his appearance on thursday is that even for the late round qb group they're very willing to suggest that you know, now with these hybrid QBs, some other things are happening. So one of the things I would just note is that you may have to draft your QBs even in round one this season and then pivot to that elite running back in round two, that elite tight end in round three, or vice versa. But sort of in those first three rounds, you're going to want to get a stud QB, a stud running back, and a stud tight end. So we have that as the starting point, and then in rounds four and five, the history tells us you probably want to come back and take QBs, but there is one interesting way that you can play it that's a little bit different, which is that if you wait until like rounds 13, 14 or later to draft your third QB, that will work. So the thing that doesn't work particularly well is sort of trying to grab those compromised QBs who aren't particularly good. If you wait a long time and take a little bit of a QB flyer, then you're not going to feel as comfortable. You're not going to feel as safe but history suggests that that actually also does work. So if you want to get those wide receivers earlier, you could do that. Or if you're just in a position in your draft where you feel like, okay, well, it actually doesn't make a lot of sense to take a QB right now. Now, before the NFL draft, we had a situation where you could take some of these rookies really late. Now that we know where they've gone, that opportunity really isn't there anymore. So again, we have to adjust for where players are going now. But in terms of the wide receiver situation and in terms of it being sort of a zero wide receiver build, the way that I would encourage people to look at it is that this format is very much like a single elite running back start with elite tight end. And then we take wide receivers. And the fact that you have to take three early QBs just means that the rest of the positions are moved down. It doesn't really change what we're trying to do. It doesn't really mean that we're going to miss on all these wide receivers, although you will miss on some because just because the white, the quarterbacks are going in those first three rounds doesn't mean that nobody could take wide receivers. So there will be some guys that you lose on. You want to make sure you really hammer on that next wide receiver group 
once you have those other elements tagged. So I think that Eric really does have it. He's done a great job with the roster construction explorer, done a great job uh, understanding the articles that have come out in the best bowl workshop on this format. And again, and we can't say enough about this format. This is a really cool format with the FFPC. You can figure out how to win it with our tools and yeah, follow the, the guidelines there and then just make sure you hammer your wide receivers after that. You'll end up getting that same type of build that we like but you'll get it from a super flex perspective with the QBs early. Yeah, it's almost like you just uh, take that kind of round, kind of let's say eight through 13 and start to move them into the, the first three rounds and just it's as if you just slotted that in to change where those QBs are going. So um, just uh, don't don't mess your wide receivers too much. You'll get them in a couple of rounds later. Um, in terms of, uh, you mentioned the tools and winning your leagues, you can get access to all of those tools, all of the content on the site, and get a 10% discount as a loyal podcast listener to do so. All you have to do is enter the code RBRADIO2021 at checkout. Go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for additional information. I mentioned on a couple of the shows this week, we are running a contest for the Scott Fish Bowl. It's going to get you a Scott Fish Bowl entry uh, for this coming season. All you have to do is rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app and retweet the podcast uh, link that I will have on my Twitter feed, which is at Overtime Ireland. In terms of those written interviews, I mentioned this previously, if you go in and edit your written interview, it actually does help us as well because it counts as a newer refresh written on the podcast feed. So much appreciated for doing that. Best luck to all who enter over the next two weeks and uh, hopefully we'll have Scott Fish on the show himself uh, when we announce that winner. Sean mentioned already we had Denny on earlier this week. Uh, Really good show. Hopefully you'll head back and listen to that if you haven't already. Three shows this week again. So uh, hopefully you're enjoying that content as we do it going forward. We can't promise it'll be three shows every week but we're going to try and do it uh, as much as we can moving forward we will also be having some listener leagues uh, in the best ball formats uh, possibly even season-long formats coming up uh, over the next couple of months so if you are interested in joining one of those or if you have a question for an upcoming show send uh, that over to me at rotavisradio at gmail.com and until we're back with another episode or two or three next week all you have to do is make sure you follow myself on twitter at over tomorrow make sure you're reading sean's great work up on rotaviz.com and until the next one, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com